Thank you for joining us on this Thursday. Huh? Thursday. Thursday. Thursday edition of the MMA Weekend Preview. Um, yeah, if you guys are kind of not following us on social media, which you should do, there's a link up there. Top yeah, right up corner. top there, yeah. But uh, And if you're listening at BAJ underscore MMA podcast. But if not... Uh, we did have a little switcheroo on our release schedule moving forward. Mondays will still be the weekend recaps, of course, but now Thursdays will be the weekend previews, and then Fridays will be the nosebleeds, betting breakdown that you can find on YouTube exclusively. Um, it's just easier because we, we've had some changes in our lives. Like I took on a new job. I graduated uh, college. Dominic took on another job and he's still going for his masters. So like we've, we've needed to record on Wednesdays and while yeah. most of the time it's been fine, yeah. you know, last week we had the thing where we didn't get to talk about Dariush versus, um, Makachev falling out and he, in a timely manner. And like people listening on Friday might've been expecting that. Right. And we just want to make sure we have the most up to date information we can get have the least amount of downtime between recording and yeah. uploading that we can get. So right. this is this is just a way to kind of counteract that. It may change back in the future. I would even go as far to say that I would hope it would. I hope eventually <laughs> we would be back on Fridays just because I think overall, I don't know, it's a little cleaner looking Monday, Friday, you know. Right. The, 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 the bookends of the week. You know? Yeah. But for now, Thursday it is. So, uh, but again, appreciate you guys being here um, since it is Thursday, we are going to preview the entire weekend, and we're even kind of cranking things up a notch. You know, that's right. Not that's ju- true. Not, not just UFC Vegas forty nine or Bellator two seventy five, but also Dominic, we got one FC full circle. <laughs> so coverage getting a little wider. That means we're going to be having some very awkward start times in our future, <laughs> but. You know, if the people in the UK haven't been complaining about UFC cards, then who are we to complain about one FC cards, right? Good, good point. But uh, before we get into it, the man on the left, the the man with the sign that changes in the background every episode. True. The horniest man in Ohio, Dominic. How are you doing? I am feeling horny. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm excited to be back uh, again. It was kind of like it. It still felt like a big week just because we're we're making these changes and our audience is following along. So it's just uh, it's fun to have that community really continuing to expand. And I'm happy for these changes uh, and the way that our kind of schedule is going to work. I'm very excited to continue gauging our expansion, our growth, our analytics, and all that stuff behind the scenes that the people don't see. So very excited, man. Happy to talk about some fights. And I'm ready to get right into it, my friend. Yeah, we do have a lot of fights to talk about. But real quick, real quick, I just want to plug it now. We haven't Mm -hmm. formally discussed any plans. But be on the lookout. If you do follow us on Twitter and Instagram, you're going to want to do so because, and even add us on our own personals. Yes. I'm at NTBaker underscore at DC14. Yeah, there you go. At DC14. I got it. But uh, Twitter, Instagram, both of those for us. Because we're teasing maybe some Spotify green room coming up. I, hmm. I think that that could be in our future. Uh, not going to say when or where. Could be here before you know it, or it could be down the line. But something that we've been very interested in, just kind of having a a room for me and Dominic to kind of discuss the fights that are live. For more than likely, it'd be like a live chat, kind of just hang out, watching the fights, a little kickback, and people could come in hang out with us, talk about fights, ask us questions, whatever. And if nobody joined, we'd just sit there and talk for the I know, and we don't get to watch fights together that much anymore, so yeah. it would be fun. Yeah, so just something to be on the lookout for. I, me and Dominic are going to need to talk about it more, probably off recording, but I kind of forgot to do so because we had a lot to do before we started. But anyways, <laughs> let's get into our biggest fight of the weekend, Dom. That's right. Debatably, but I would say probably the biggest one overall because Islam Makachev is in the headliner. Oh, yeah. The, head, the fight that was supposed to be him versus Benio Dariush is off, but we've already had time to mourn that loss, Dominic. Now it's time to get prepared for Makachev versus Bobby Green. Oof. Bobby Green making a two-week turnaround here, coming off a win at UFC 271 against Nazrat Hawk Prast in what was... One of his finest performances. I mean, 
I felt like we had just said that about him and his <laughs> win over Ally Quinta, but then here he went for full 15 minutes and looked spectacular on the feet. He was talking that shit. Yeah. He was throwing heavy. It was great stuff. But Dominic, with that being said, I know you've you've been really excited about this fight, excited for Bobby Green to get this opportunity. Realistically, what are his chances in this fight? <laughs> Many would probably say slim to none, right? I mean, and that's the case for a lot of people that fight Islam Makachev, but especially uh, when you're a striker and you're coming in on 14 days notice, that can't be uh, an easy battle, right? That's an uphill one at that. But, uh, you know, Bobby Green's a guy that's just a dog, and he is going to He's going to bring, I think, just a grit and toughness that maybe Islam hasn't seen too much. I mean, the fact that he went out and did what he did against Dan Hooker, Makachev, that is, really said a lot about his skill set to me. But Bobby Green, I don't know, it's just a mindset thing for me when it comes to him. Uh, But again, it's a very tough fight. And again, slim to none probably would be the chances. But I'm not necessarily ruling out a complete shock of the world. Right. You know? Well, well, it's it's not even got to be that he has to win. You know, there's a lot of oh, ways yeah. that he could surprise a lot of people. I think I would say the majority probably expect this to go very similar to how Islam handled Dan Hooker, right? Yeah, like yeah. Hooker barely got any offense off of anything. Islam pretty much dragged him to the ground and immediately got the advantage, top position, submission hold, game. Checkmate. Yeah. <laughs> so for Bobby Green to really do anything here would be a win. I mean, yes. if he so much as hits him with, you know, like think of Nate Diaz, Leon Edwards, when Nate Diaz cracks him with the hand in the last 60 seconds of the fight after being dominated yeah. for four and a half rounds, something like that, or even goes the distance or goes the majority of the fight. You know, mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of ways that Bobby Green can walk away from this with a win theoretically. Now, I, I think it's interesting that when we kind of look at this fight, I, I've, I've been comparing Bobby Green a little bit here to kind of where Jorge Masvidal found himself in 2019. He had that knockout of Darren Till, a fight most people thought Till was going to win. That was Till coming off of his loss to Tyron Woodley for the title, so it like, felt like just a bounce-back fight. Masvidal goes in there and cracks him. Then he gets that Ben Askren fight. Again, a lot of shit talking in the buildup. Yeah. A lot of people starting to kind of get behind Masvidal. They liked his personality, starting to show through a little more. Then he goes out there and does the five-second knockout. And then he had the, basically the fans eating out of his hands for about a year. Yeah. Um, I could see Bobby Green having a similar effect here. I'm not saying that I think he's going to win. But if he were to win, I oh. mean, one of the – I mean, the – the world is his at that point. I'm not sure if it'll be Masvidal level, but something similar, yeah, probably. And 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 also Dominic, I think it's fair to is it fair to compare this fight to when Habib had to fight Ally Quinna for the title on just a couple days mm. notice after all the the shit storm that was that fight week for UFC 223 where Habib was supposed to fight Tony. Tony trips on a cable. Then you have like Max Holloway set the fight and Connor with the dolly. I mean, all this shit goes on, and eventually it's Ally Quinna who was, I don't even, was he ranked inside the top? He was 10? just barely ranked. That's why they justified it. Yeah, because yeah. I know they wouldn't let Paul Felder step in because yeah. he wasn't ranked high enough or something. I don't know. But this feels a little bit like that. Like, I'm trying to go in and not have super high expectations for Islam because, yes, I understand that. He needs to win this. Like, if he loses this fight, it's a pretty big blow. Oh, yeah. But even if he wins and maybe shows some sort of susceptibility, I'm not going to necessarily use it as a way to say, well, he doesn't deserve a title shot following this, even if he wins. Like, I'm not going to do that. All I need to see from Islam Makhachev is composure, win the fight, and you get the title shot. Don't let it, if if it's very close and like maybe people think Bobby should have won on the scorecards. If it's like a robbery or something, that's one thing. But even then, like, I mean, it's hard to deny this Be guy. Be 10 in a row. Now. Yeah. I mean, in another world, he's probably fighting for the title already. But yeah. where, based on where we're at, I think all he's got to do is win here. But I just don't know, Dominic, if the fan base is going to be fully behind it, if there's some susceptibility. Like, do you think if there's any holes exposed, whether it's when they're on the feed, if Bobby Green's just, like, piecing up Islam and he's kind of – 
having to dive for some takedowns or something like that? Do you feel like the fan base may turn on him a little bit? And kind of like how Habib sort of it felt like people were sort of saying, well, Habib's hands got exposed in that mock or in the um, Ike Ike fight. Yeah. So could you see something like that happening here with Makachev? Yeah, MMA fans are always fun, so I could definitely see something so like fickle. that. Yeah, uh, I could definitely see something like that. Also, because I just feel like Bobby Green, truthfully, is like a fan favorite going into this fight, so they're going to mm-hmm. be behind him regardless. Not that people don't want to see Islam win, but now it's like a whole different dynamic in terms of the fight. And by the way, if we're talking title shots, no, if Bobby Green comes in here and does shock the world, we're talking a guy that could quite literally go from no ranking to hopscotching the most stacked division in the UFC. No, if he wins... Does he get a title fight? That's a great question. It's Imagine. a great question because as much as most people probably don't want to put that much thought into it, because, again, I think we can all agree Islam is probably going to win this fight. But after Juliana Pena, yeah. which she just did yeah. a couple months ago and had me shit in my pants during the pay-per-view, <laughs> yeah. I'm never going to count anybody out again. But even though we both all – everybody kind of assumes Islam's going to win, I think that is a fair – thing to consider here. Because if Bobby Green goes from unranked, has been fighting, you know, Hawk Perast is kind of a he's a he's a right there, but you know, Tiago Moises beat Bobby, who was in top fifteen for a second. I mean yeah. Bobby Green hasn't really been fighting necessarily top fifteen guys. Um outside of I guess Tiago Moises would kind of be in that range and And Fazayev's there now, but Well Fazayev, yes, that's a good point. Uh but he's losing I guess those yeah. fights against yeah. those guys. If he goes in here and beats Islam Makachev, it's going to be really hard to deny him, but not as hard as it would be to deny Islam Makachev with the win here. Oh, yes, of course. And I I mean, I think that's kind of a given, but I mean, uh, the title fight itself, when it plays out between Charles Oliveira and Justin Gaethje, if Gaethje wins, I, I definitely am not sure Bobby Green just jumps right in. I mean, you might get Poirier, Gaethje too, Maybe you run it back with Oliveira. I don't know. There's a lot that could happen if Gaethje kind of takes over. But if mm-hmm. Oliveira wins, I think that's the clear next guy. I mean, honestly, like I hate to – I don't hate to say it. I actually would kind of be awesome to say it. But it it would just – it'd be hard to really make him feel viable to most people as a contender just because, again – it might feel like a lucky shot if he knocks out Islam or whatever. Again, this is a yeah. guy going from fighting and not really beating those back half of the top 15, and then all of a sudden with the win, he could be right there in top five. I'm not sure how the UFC would treat that either. With Just because he beat him, would they automatically rank him above him? Right. You know, those rankings, which I'm not – I know the UFC don't rank their fighters. It's True. the media, but uh, I don't know. I'll say yes, but – don't be surprised if this is mostly like a one-way title eliminator. Like if Islam wins, yeah, he gets a title yeah. shot, and Bobby Green not quite. But with a win, clearly, I mean, imagine Bobby Green versus Dustin Poirier too, or Bobby Green to fight any Benil Dariush. I mean, something like that. That'd be huge. Yeah, and like you said, even like a Bobby Green uh, and Charles Oliveira title fight. Like, look at the storylines there. Two guys that you want to talk mm-hmm. about scratching and clawing their careers in the UFC. That would be quite amazing. And I do just want to add on just to Islam's uh, point here in this fight. I do feel like, you know, there's a lot of – there is and there isn't a lot of pressure on him here because there just are expectations of him to dominate this fight. And I like your point where you're saying, you know, if he just wins. I mean, that's 10 in a row. It's hard to deny the guy anyway. But I I do still just have some intrigue in how he's going to come out and treat this fight. Is he going to mm-hmm. play around? Is he going to try and experiment with anything new? Or is he just going to go bread and butter – try and make this quick and easy. Hey, I'm waiting on the winner of Gaethje uh, Oliveira. So I'm still very interested to see just how Islam approaches the fight. For what I, I had a similar feeling when he fought Dan Hooker. I was kind of curious, like, how is he going to come out here? And he yeah. basically went right at him. Yeah. Basically took it straight to him. Hooker was a bit, uh, you know, deer in headlights a little bit, kind of like yeah. he did with Michael Chandler. You know, with Bobby Green, I expect Bobby to come out pretty hot. So... Maybe Islam looks to just try to close distance, try to, you know, keep him as far from boxing range as possible Mm -hmm. so that he kind of has to cool down, you know, the adrenaline dump wears off and all of a sudden now you're in a fight. You're, you got four more rounds to go. Yeah. 
it's a t it's an uphill battle for Bobby Green for sure. Um, but man, it's crazier things have happened in this sport. <laughs> Not many, but there's definitely been some. And this is the one sport where, yes, he's a huge underdog. Yes, the odds are stacked again. But this is the one sport that the equalizer is always just one punch, one kick, one maneuver that lands perfect, flush, completely changes everything. Amen. Now, we do have another fight. Not the co-main event, but the, the, honestly, Dominic, I dare I say, is dare I say this might be the best fight on the card overall. I agree, hundred percent. And that is two very viable contenders that are looking to make a splash here, potentially hop into the top ten in the lightweight division. That's so talent stacked. Armand Saryukin, ranked number thirteen, going up against Joel Alvarez. He was number fifteen. Now he's kind of. <laughs> I don't know. He should be top 15, but yeah. not quite. So, first thing, Dominic, um, do you, are you confident Joel Alvarez is going to make weight? He's had back-to-back -back misses. He's very big for his division. But I guess – I, I hate to even talk like that because, you know, who knows? Yeah, you have to bring it up, though. You do. But this was um, – I remember I went – I had a little back and forth with the viewer who commented back when Alvarez fought last time. We looked fantastic against Tiago. Um, Moises. Moises. Thank you. Um, and the, the guy was very impressed, obviously, like we all were with Joel Alvarez, and really liked his upside as a contender in this division yeah. long term. And I was like, I agree, but maybe I, I may have said this in the episode of time, like maybe he has to go to 170. Like if he's not able to make this weight, like how can you really trust this guy to keep moving him up? And I think that maybe shows in the fact that he's kind of not even in the top 15 now. Yeah. Um, this is a bit of a make or break fight for him, not necessarily in a win or lose, but just on the scales. Is he the has fight to the, make weight. Is, is, it, is the scales the bigger battle than the actual fight itself here, Dom? It sure the hell feels like it. I actually forgot about the weight problem until you just uh, mentioned that. So I'm glad you did. And, uh, you know, that is a lot of these fighters say, oh, that, that's the first battle, you know, is making the weight. And then the fight on Saturday is the second one. But uh, it's a very true for Joe Alvar Alvarez. And, you know, this son of a bitch is humongous <laughs> to be a lightweight. I mean, he's 6'2 with a 77-inch reach. This guy's massive. The size difference when these two are in the cage Saturday is going to be insane. So, yes, step number one for Joel, make the weight. Number two, a potential barn burner back and forth with Saryukin. Yeah, and I'm sure that he's focused on this fight. I'm just, I guess, more so from our perspective, like what's the bigger battle? I truthfully yeah. think if he wins but misses weight, that does more harm for him than if he loses a really good fight here. I mean, that's truthfully how I feel. Like he can't keep winning off the back of having this extra weight added on to him. It's not fair. So yeah, let's move past that because, again, hopefully that all just – you know, right. hopefully it just settles itself and we can talk about it more on Monday's episode if it doesn't happen. Now, for the fight itself, you do make a good point, and I know you're going to want to touch on that more about the size difference between these Ooh. two. Definitely going to be a problem for Saryukin. But Saryukin, man, is, his grappling is fantastic. I mean, his wrestling is one of the best in the division. His debut was his only loss in the UFC, and it was two. It was <laughs> Makachev. Yeah. But it was a fight of the night. Yes, Makachev pretty much won the fight, pretty clearly won the fight, but Saryukin put up a pretty good fight there. And for Joel Alvarez, it's not a, you know it's not as easy as saying, well, let's just take him down and hold him there because mm -hmm. Joel Alvarez loves to finish fights via submission. He's done it, yeah. I believe, is it 14 times in his career? 16 times. 16 times. <laughs> and, you know, what's funny, when you look at the breakdown of his knockout to submission ratio, it heavily favors the submission. But Dominic, Joel Alvarez's hands are really good. Well, I mean, just look really at his last good. fight. I mean, Yes, his last fight against Tiago Moises. He put him away in the first round, a guy who took Islam four rounds to dispose yeah. of. And I do think there's something to be said for that. Joel Alvarez, even though he has so many submissions, a lot of times it's been the work he's done on the feet, overwhelming his opponents, dropping them, whatever it might be, and then he finishes them with the submission on the ground. Right. And his submissions are very slick, very good. For Saryukin, the thing that's always held him back before his last fight with Chris Tosiago is where he did show some advancement in his game, did get the finish via TKO, I believe. Before that, his wins were all via decision. 
it's like, okay, he's really good, but he can't finish any of these guys. So, like, how good really is he? Well, then he goes out there and does it on the feet. So the reason why, like, as a betting man, I'm avoiding this fight. <laughs> as, I guess, a guy in our position, I'm avoiding even making any sort of prediction about this fight is because these guys seem to be in a place where they're both improving so much day in and day out yeah. that I'm not sure what we're going to see here because Alvarez looks to be so well-rounded, so much more than people give him credit for, while Saryukin showed a lot of strides in his last fight, and I expect even more here. I just said a lot, word vomit, but Dominic, I want to give you an opportunity to talk about these two and the studs that they are. But studs indeed. I mean, we're talking about two guys that are, you know, potentially, well, it's not even potentially, they are the next wave of the 155-pound division. We've seen all those guys up at the top for years now, it feels like at this point. But we've talked about how this back half, 10 through 15, is very fresh. And here's two of them right here going one-on-one. Most of the time, we don't like those matchups. But holy shit, this one is just absolutely perfect. I love everything about it. I mean, we're talking Armin, 17-2, and 4-1 and one in the UFC. Joel? 19 and 2, 4 and 1 in the UFC. Both guys lost their debuts and have tallied off four straight wins. Both guys are finishers. Joel's finished 19 out of 19, which is absolutely insane. 13 of them in the first round. I the thing is though with all these accolades and how well skilled both guys are, it makes it that much harder to predict. I will say I know we're not in the betting show. We're going to have that too on Friday, but you see the odds here on screen if you're watching on YouTube. Armin Saryukin minus 225. That's a big favorite for what feels to me like it could be a pick em, if I'm being honest. So mm-hmm. uh, keep your eyes out on this one, folks. I think it could be a potential fight of the night. I think it's just two guys that are so skilled, uh, so much potential, so much upside from both. It's going to be very, very telling on uh, whoever comes out on top in this one and potentially even who loses. Yeah, I mean, I think both these guys have really bright futures ahead. But someone's got to win, someone's got to lose. So whoever the winner is, man, they're going to be right there with Fiziev just shooting up the rankings, I think. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about Bellator 275. This could be really the biggest fight of the weekend. I mean, (laughs) it's a a title fight here. True. um, This is in Ireland. At the, uh, is it the three arenas that was called? Yeah, something like that, yeah. Gegard Mousasi looks to make the second defense of his title against Mr. Van Zant, Austin <laughs> Vanderford, a man who is probably more known for his marriage than his actual fighting ability, but I don't think that's quite fair. Because Not this at guy all. is probably one of the best wrestlers in the entire company. He's fantastic at what he does. Yeah. Not the most, I guess... Um, fan-friendly of styles, you know, a lot of decision wins. His last win, though, being his most impressive over Fabian Edwards, the brother of Leon. But really, comparing resumes is just Uh, not the way this fight is. This is not going to sell you on a Vanderford victory because Gegard Mousasi is, I believe, 48-7-2. Spot on. um, Literally has five times the experience that Vanderford has. That's not really the story here. But I think the story is, Dominic, how much do you see perhaps Musasi, you know, as he's getting older, do you see maybe age playing a factor here and that maybe he's starting to be on the on the downward uh, slope of his career versus Vanderford, who's still on the upswing, still in his prime, getting better day in and day out? Uh, I think this could be the fight to answer that question, truthfully, because Yegard has looked pretty damn good in Bellator. I mean, he's 6-1. Mm-hmm. and one. He is on a three-fight win streak right now. He won that title. He's looking for another title defense. As you mentioned, the experience uh, difference here is insane. You won't find many others like this. Uh, this is like Roxanne versus Casey O'Neill, but it's actually even more so <laughs> than that. So it, it, it is a fun fight, though, man, because Yegard just – he's a stud. You're not going to find resumes like his. One of the best fighters in UFC history to never win a belt. He's finished 39 of his 48 fights, 27 knockouts, 12 submissions. The guy's insane. He is 36 years old now. He's been doing it a long time. Vanderford, five years younger. Don't forget, people, he's undefeated 11-0. He does have six finishes, and he has that X factor, his wrestling. You know, when you look at the skill sets, Yegard is great, and he's good everywhere. But Vanderford has that one 
skill that is like his bread and butter. And it might just make the difference here. Yegard's still a threat on the ground. I'm not saying he's just going to get dominated. But if Vanderford wants to win, I think there is still a path for him to get it done and pull off the upset here, Noah. If we want to do a little MMA math here, which I don't know if this is really MMA math, but Gegard's last loss, where he lost his title the first time, was to Rafael Lovato Jr., who implemented that type of game plan. It was very grappling heavy, very heavy on the wrestling, getting yeah. top position, controlling Musasi, and it worked well. It was a majority decision win for Lovato Jr. Since then, though, you look at the wins that Musasi's had, Lyoto Machida. Not that kind of threat. Douglas Lima, much smaller guy, wasn't really. Yeah. That fight was a weird one because, like, Lima wasn't. He just didn't look like Douglas Lima that we'd been accustomed to. And then John Salter, who's a very good submission threat, a good fighter. That's probably, I mean, that's a really good win at TKO finish there. Yeah. But you just, I mean, with this much experience and considering the fact that Gegard Musasi is 36 years old. You have to wonder when there's going to be that drop-off. And his competition is still pretty high. I mean, a split decision win over Leona Machida at this point. I mean, that was in 2019. Yeah. I love Leona Machida. Still a good fighter. But it, that doesn't tell me you're a champion if you're winning via split decision against Machida. As tough of a fighter yeah. as he is. Again, he's the win over John Salter in the fashion that happened. Quite that a was championship good, performance. So. I'm just saying that it's it's not even inconsistencies. It's really it's nitpicking. That's what it is here mm-hmm. because he's awesome. He's one of the best fighters pound for pound in Bellator. Yeah, but there's always that little hint of like maybe he's starting to lose it just a little bit, just a little bit. Is he maybe he's not the gay guard who was probably passed over for multiple title opportunities in the UFC five years ago, who was should have been fighting for the belt way before that. Yeah, Austin Vanderford, while his competition has been much less, I mean, this is the brightest of lights for this guy. He's in the prime of his career. He has a very good fight IQ. He knows exactly where his strengths lie. He always gets to fight there. I'm not necessarily, you know, again, I'm not really picking on this fight, but I'm just saying that if Mustafi's going to lose soon, I mean, this is the kind of opponent that, would give him the most trouble out in the top of the ranks, I believe. Yeah, and if you look at that recent kind of wins that you were talking about for Musasi, Vanderford is physically much stronger. He's very, very physical here. And when you talk about the age discrepancy, you know, as you get older, you do lose strength. Vanderford, he's a big guy. He's not as tall, but he's thick. And, you know, when it comes down to, okay, if Musasi's trying to defend these takedowns, is he going to get pushed up against the cage? Is Vanderford just going to be able to drag him down inevitably with the strength? Or will Musasi's experience and more so technique, you know, kind of outlast that here and, you know, allow him to keep it on the feet? There's a lot of X's and O's in this one because Vanderford, he's not like a novice in the feet. Obviously, I'd lean toward Musasi heavily, but I don't think he's just going to go out and could get knocked out in a flash either. It's a very good fight. Well, also, just before we move on from Musasi, what what I find so interesting about some of the matchups he's gotten is he typically is the bigger guy. I mean, look back to even before that loss to Lovato where he was fighting Rory McDonald, who was from 170, uh, from welterweight, excuse yeah. me, yeah. coming up and was completely outmatched in terms of size, power, I mean, everything. He just, that wasn't a good matchup for him. Yeah. It seems like that's where Musasi is most comfortable when he's very much the bigger guy. I'm not necessarily going to call him a bully in the cage. He doesn't really fight like that, but he's typically when he's the stronger, more powerful guy, he's more confident. Well, that was the case against Lima too, you know, mm-hmm. and that's more recent to kind of look at. So, so I just I think you're right. I think there is going to be a battle of, of strength here, and I, I don't yeah. know. Vanderford is probably going to be the winner of that one. You know? Yeah, very true. Also, this weekend, the main card, Dominic, starts at 7.30 in the morning, Friday. <laughs> that is one FC full circle. I'll be trying to watch this at work. Um, as you can see, if you're watching on YouTube, the ticker that is just for the MMA bouts. We're just focusing yeah. on the MMA side. Look, I'm going to watch 
the kickboxing and Muay Thai, I'm ex- I'm interested in it, but it's it's a different part. That's not something that we really focus on. So like, yeah, yeah, I feel like we wouldn't be able to give as good feedback on what we saw, even if it right. was a part of MMA. You guys get right. what we're saying. But the main event, the main event. There's a lot of gold here. <laughs> there ball. is, because we got the double champ, the pound for pound best fighter. I would say, probably in one FC, Renee De Ritter. He is the light heavyweight and middleweight champion, and he will be defending that middleweight championship for the first time against the welterweight champion, Kamran Abasov. Whew, a lot of gold on the line. DeRitter, this is his first fight post kind of reaching the top of the mountain. I mean, he he basically took the crown from uh, Ang Song in yeah. back-to-back fights. I mean, that was we'll talk about Song later. But I mean, what a tough road to you get knocked out and lose your first belt. Then you have to defend your other belt against the same guy, and then he beats you for five rounds. Yeah. So De Ritter has kind of hit a very big high in his career. You know, he that Amosan was one of the best fighters one's ever had, and yeah, he he just kind of he made really light work of him. It seemed like so now he's finally passed that, gets his first test, and it's the welterweight champion of the promotion and Abasov. So. Um, Dominic, you know, being that this is kind of the first card we're really going this deep on for one, I gotta say, I think it's a pretty good one to start with, right? Yeah, I agree. I think it's actually a really fun fight. You know, I was kind of just trying to read and research a little bit on one being that we don't get to see too much of it. Uh, we hear about it a lot. They had those American cards here in 2020, uh, but this is one here out of, obviously they're based out there in Singapore and uh, they've got big fights all the time. I mean, there's 24 fights or some shit on this whole card or something crazy. Uh, but this one right here for all the marbles, we're talking champion versus champion. And uh, you know, DeRitter does feel like he's maybe not the face. That's a big word. Cause one has a lot of guys and a lot of different types of mixed mm-hmm. martial arts, but DeRitter in terms of the MMA of there is one of their top dogs one of their top draws and for rightfully so i mean he's 14 and 0 he's got 12 finishes he's in his prime at only 31 years old and he's looked the part man and he did it against again other guys that have been kind of that that older wave he kind of eliminated through them and now it's his time to shine but for abasov too who's also a champion a lot more experience on his end he's riding a five fight win streak there's just a lot of excitement around this fight i think it's going to be very competitive i think we're going to see a stand-up battle i think it's going to be fun man i'm excited to get a little taste of one championship yeah i mean it's a lot of fights for sure so yeah, yeah. you know we might need a couple breaks here and there and, uh, <laughs> yeah oh, muay thai fights coming up a kickboxing <laughs> fights coming up okay let me go piss and yeah <laughs> and eat or something but uh it, it's always exciting when you get these champion versus champion fights and here you got a double champ fighting someone who is obviously looking to become a double champ. It's just a lot of gold here and it's the, it's the right kind of fight. You know, obviously we don't know a ton about both these guys styles, but really you look at the numbers and it tells a pretty clear story. Abasov is going to look to keep this fight standing. DeRitter is going to look to take this fight to the ground and submit him. It's a great fight because both guys stylistically are finishers so someone here is going to probably go to sleep one way or another. Yeah. Um, obviously, that's been not the case before. I mean, DeRitter's coming off a five-round decision victory, but it, it feels like a fight that could really say a lot about, you know, who's the number one pound-for-pound guy. I mean, yeah, it's, hard to, it's hard to say DeRitter still wouldn't be in the discussion, even with the loss, because he'd still have a belt, and he has two wins over who was clearly – the number one guy for a long time in the promotion. But for Kamran Abasov, this is clearly a fight for legacy, and that's a kind of great fight to start with for us, I think. Yeah, I love it. Now, before we get into the rest, we do have one fight announcement, Dominic, and that comes from Bellator London, happening on May 13th. Andre Korshkov, we just talked about him, the former Bellator middleweight champion. He got the fight. He called for it. He gets it. Paul Daly, who's been calling for a big opponent for his retirement fight on this card. And now they're going head-to-head. Six versus eight. This will be Paul Daly's retirement fight, it appears. What yep. a fight this could be to go out on. I mean, Paul Daly's been 
He's had a great career. Obviously, it's had its ups and downs. He got cut from the UFC for life for punching Josh Koscheck after the bell. You know, just he's had his ups and downs, but overall, yeah. it's been more ups than downs. And he's he's been a mainstay here for a long time. Dangerous fight, though. I mean, <laughs> Koreshkov, not just the win he had last week, which I think is really putting him on people's radars again, but this is a former champion. I mean, this guy, yeah. and really. Yes, he's lost a couple times since he, you know, lost the belt. But when you look at his records and his resume, the competition he's fought has dropped off a little bit, which I think is why his rankings fallen a little bit. But I mean, for the most part, he's right there. I mean, he's still in the top of the heap of this division if you just look at it like resume wise. Yeah. And for Paul Daly, it's a dangerous fight, but it's the kind of fight that the fans are going to be into. And Bellator London, I mean, this has the makings of a classic. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, we, we're talking about, or the UFC gets a lot of the hype around their London card that they're going to have. Dude, Bellator London is just as good coming up in May. They've got great fights, and this is another one that got added to it. For Korshchev, I mean, asking you shall receive, huh? They didn't take but two days, and they made the fight exactly what he wanted. And, you know, you said it's a dangerous fight for Daly in his retirement fight, and it literally is because Korshchev, with his opponent, what he do? Crack five of his ribs, punch her to lug with that mm-hmm. spinning back mm-hmm. kick. I mean, this is a, a dangerous dude here that looks very hungry, really rejuvenated right now. So a tough out for Paul Daly, a tough sayonara. If he gets the win, what a way to go out. If not, Korshchev's on his way back to potentially getting the gold. Yeah, I, I definitely like Korshkov to potentially get that. Yeah. With a win here, it could really propel him into something very big next. And for Paul Daly, I mean, to go out in front of the London fans, I mean, that's going to be awesome. a huge moment. Yeah, I'm looking yeah. forward to that. Again, before we get into the rest, we do have one little news topic here. Go ahead and put up that headline, Dominic. That's right, Dom. I'm getting the topic. spotlight today, this is baby. hot off the presses. We were literally Dom pressed record, and I went, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> and I had to go fact check course. it. And I was like, oh, wow, here we go. Combining two of Dom's favorite things in, yes. in, in, in combat sports. Triller. So yes. Triller, it- you know, the company that has made every possible good financial decision you can make in the last couple mm-hmm. of years. Mm-hmm. They decided that, you know what? We have a bunch of money to spend, apparently, because right. of all the money we made off of God knows which fights people bought. But... <laughs> We're going to put it into buying a majority stake. They are now the the owners of Bare Knuckle FC. Mm, what, a, what a combination, huh? So, Dominic, does no. this, does this, you know, we had this talk about BKFC. If you guys didn't listen to Monday's episode, cut you deep should. a little bit. You know, I, I put Dom on the spot. You know, I, I wanted him. I've ex, I exposed him for being a hater of BK. He's the, he's the John McCain to BKFC yeah. Yeah. that the UFC had to deal with with the real John McCain in the '90s. He's that guy, you know. Yeah. But uh, I, I, we we kind of asked the audience, like, "Hey guys, like, has anybody watched this? Like, do you like it? Try to convince yeah. us. Did this news story do anything for your interest in watching a future BKFC card?" <laughs> well. I, is it possible to lessen it? I don't know. I mean, it might have lessened my chances of watching it because not only have I never watched a bare knuckle card besides like one fight or two at the most, but I've never watched a trailer card. Now we're going to throw them together. I'm definitely not going to watch now. But uh, <laughs> a again, Triller has this way of attracting at least some sort of audience i'm not really sure how large it actually is noah's been attracted to it so you know do what you gotta do maybe they'll try and do i mean they're obviously going to try and get bare knuckle in the triangle ring right i mean that's got to be first thing on the agenda for them i would imagine so maybe they'll get jake paul to do some bare knuckle shit i I don't know what they're going to try and do um but it's a circus show Triller especially, now they're going to have a big impact on Bare Knuckle, who was like nearing a circus show. It's just a crazy combination. Well, look, this was a sign because I was actually starting to have this fleeting interest in BKFC <laughs> following our discussion on Monday. Yeah. Just, you know, if Mike Perry was the headline or Paige Van Zandt, you know, somebody that would catch my eye, I'd probably watch. Yeah. I, I was at that point. But then Triller bought it. <laughs> and... 
Look, I'm guilty, all right? I bought with my own birthday money the the uh, Mike Tyson, Roy Jones Jr. card, which, hey, look, yep. those are legends. You know, I never got True. to see those two guys fight live. True. Now, was the co-main Jake Paul versus Nate Robinson? Three-time dunk champion, by the way. Hey, anybody yeah. check out the dunk contest? Yeah, don't get me started. <laughs> hey, but shout out to UD. Uh True. <laughs> what's his um, obi topping obi topping he, he won the whole thing anyways um i did buy that card and then i watched the first triad combat card um totally paid for it um anyways uh yep. <laughs> my point is even though i've done that i've invested some amount of time and you know and i money, actually yeah. thought the triad combat thing was like I it's do remember little, you telling me it's that. definitely gimmicky. Like it's kind of like, what's the need for this? And like the MMA versus boxing thing was kind of whatever. Cause it really was like boxing with light gloves and you could do a little bit of like, I forget. There was like a couple things you like, could do like a spinning back fist and stuff like that. But like, you couldn't really do any MMA. There was no ground game, nothing like yeah. that. But the fights were actually for the most part fun outside of Frank Mir's fight. That was again, I mean, that's in the territory of Diego Sanchez, Kevin Lee stuff. And yeah, Right. not the fan of that but everything else I was kind of interested I was like okay well try it our trailer did just cancel their second triad combat card that was supposed to happen this weekend due to COVID concerns even though it was in Texas and I, I'm not saying that that can't be a reason but I don't really buy it because like UFC just was in Texas yeah a week and a half ago so yeah but I digress Somehow, despite all of this, this news actually made me go, oh, okay, well, I guess I'm never going to watch it now. <laughs> I was like, that's good. That was a good sign. Like, because I started having interest, and yeah. then God was like, zap, trailer buys BKFC. And I was like, I'm going to head out. All right? Welcome so, back, Noah. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. But I, I can't trust trailer as far as I can throw him, guys. I'm just being honest with you. I'm yeah. not accusing them of anything, but I just don't see the money here. I don't see where it's coming from. Right. This is an app. Triller is an app. It's supposed to be a competitor to TikTok. I've net. Have you ever? Did most of you guys even know that it's an app? I mean, probably not. I actually didn't know that. No. Yeah, but um, I, they they put so much money into these performances and having these celebrities there, and it doesn't seem like people are really buying these cards. Yeah. Now they're backing bkfc like it just feels like this is just gonna spell doom for bkfc unfortunately i hope not i do i do kind of hope not i part of me wanted the root for bkfc to kind of work out those kinks look they've done some shitty things with their matchmaking i mean a guy died in the promotion for god's sakes but i was hoping rooting for them to kind of you know they could lean in to be in this kind of freak show thing yeah but just don't do this absurd matchmaking where guys that are like five and twenty are fighting like really good in their prime. Yeah, guys. like guys that just got out of the UFC. Yeah. Like even Chad Mendez, nobody really talked about how he was fighting a recording artist named Fames who doesn't yeah. fight. He's yeah. he's a recording artist named Fames. <laughs> but yeah. I could go on and on, but this did drop my interest. We'll see what happens. I just don't really trust Triller. I, I don't see the long term i don't see them being in this long term i think it's kind of a short term answer for whatever money they hope to make from it but i don't know it but again doesn't spell much for me hey if you have thoughts on it we're happy to hear them <laughs> thanks dom let's, but get, let's get out of there thank you <laughs> and we, we're gonna start back with ufc vegas 49 a couple more fights to talk about this card dominic we maybe have some trouble here because i feel like what i could say about this first fight, I could probably say about the second and the third fight from this card. <laughs> there, this card is filled. Let's put it like this: filled with young up and comers that are so explosive, and their striking is so fun to watch. Some bangers. Some what did we call it? Uh, what did we call it when uh, Tui Oh, swang and bang. We have some swang and bang going on. <laughs> That's what it starts with here: Armin Petrosian and Gregory Rodriguez. This fight has banger of the night written all over it, swing and bang. <laughs> yeah. I was very impressed with what I saw from Petrosian from the Contender Series. This is his debut. 
a tough draw in your debut going up against Gregory Rodriguez, who has looked really good. He he's had a couple of really good wins. He had his last fight uh, was a war that he yes. had no business winning, but went zombie mode. Crazy. <laughs> Basically went. I mean, literally, it was not not to this extent, but it, he when he was putting the combinations together to knock out his opponent, it looked like how Chet Congo was like punching mm-hmm. Pat Barry, like stiffened, but like still there kind of. Oh like yeah. Not. This fight to me, if I had to bet on a fight to not go to distance, this would be one I'd have to put some money on. And maybe yeah. I will later. You'll have to watch the nosebleeds to find out. But I love this, that. this fight is truly a striker's delight. And the fact that, you know, both guys are going to have to take a lot of punishment to win here has me feeling like someone is going to go to sleep, Dominic. Yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't have put it any better, especially after Gregory's last fight where it was just so back and forth. It got ugly, but he still finds a way to not only survive but win the fight. And Armin, uh, maybe a, a little more polished, or at least from what we've seen from him so far. maybe. Yeah. yeah. But Gregory might just bring out the ugly side of him, and that's what makes this one so exciting. I think it's super fan-friendly, potential fight-of-the-night contender uh, alongside up there with Joel and Armin. The other Armin, sorry, you can. Yeah, that fight I'm probably second most excited for after the aforementioned sorry, you can Alvarez yeah. fight. Following that, again, the combined age in this fight is 45 years old. You got the 21-year-old Rong Zhu. Wow. Going up against the 24-year-old Ignacio Baja Mendez coming off of his knockout of the year contender against Roosevelt Roberts, the spinning back kick. And that really tells the story for him. Again, very electric, high-level striker. The problem with Baja Mendez is he kind of he is a bit of flash over substance sometimes. Mm-hmm. He almost like Anthony Pettis in a way. Like a he's kind of one of those guys that, you know, you have high expectations for, and he'll reach that level at some point, but he may have in his future some faltering moments where you may have to maybe question the the how high you had had him at one point. Yeah. Um, again, that's a lot of projecting right now. But as it stands, he's a guy that's had some close fights. He's won a couple close fights. He had a split decision loss to John McDessie before that knockout. Um, he's in an interesting spot. Again, people are very excited about him coming off that knockout of the year. But he's going up against... I think it's still the youngest fighter on the UFC's roster yeah, in Rong Zhu. I think so. Um, the problem with Rong Zhu, he looked, I mean, he's looked good. He did have a loss at UFC 261. It, it's kind of the problem that we've seen with a lot of these guys that come from the apex over in China. They just seem to not be, like, there's a lot of good fighters coming out of there, but they keep losing. Like, and I'm not yeah. saying that, like, I'm, I'm not trying to paint a, a broad brush on on what they're doing over there. I love that they put an apex facility over there and they're trying to build that and people are using that, but they just aren't having a lot of luck getting these wins. And Mm -hmm. here, this is a tough draw for Rong Zhu, I believe. But again, tough strikers going head to head. Dominic, what do you think of this one? I, I, this is another, there are a lot of like low key fun fights on this card. And you know, when we talk about it on our betting show, there's a lot of, fights that we don't want to touch and this is kind of almost one of them but i did touch it a little i guess you guys will find out <laughs> but it's still just a fun fight where you don't really know who's gonna win and i think even in this one ignacio's a two-to-one favorite as well and i just like mm, i can see it he had that awesome highlight real finish last year uh, against roosevelt roberts but both these guys are one and one you know in the ufc they have shown vulnerability they've been finished before and you know you just add all these ingredients into the pot i don't see how this fight's going to be boring one bit I love it. And the fact that they're both so young, someone has to look good, right? Someone has to push their um, their star power just a little bit more after this one. So we'll find out who it is. Yeah, and then really you could say a lot of some things about the fight that follows it. Dominic, I'm going to give you the chance to talk first here. Terrence T-Rex McKinney is back coming off his seven-second knockout of Matt Favola going up against Faraz Ziam. What is the, I guess, battle that's going to take place here between these two? Because I think a lot of people know McKinney from that knockout, but not, yeah. maybe not a lot of people is familiar with Ziam. Yeah, very true. And, true, uh, you know, before we even get into Faras, you know, you look at Terrence McKinney, we are talking about a guy that, yeah, he had the fastest knockout in lightweight history. 
he has more submissions than knockouts in his career. So he is oh, well-rounded. I <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's splits pretty even. It's six and five, but still, that's one more than a knockout. That's... But, uh, you know, to have a 100% finish rate, good everywhere, but he doesn't like leaving that first round. So for Faraz here, if he can survive that early storm, because Terrence is going to come out aggressive. And he's very – I'm not going to say he's going to be wild. He's very sharp. He's powerful for being a lightweight. But if Faraz can survive that first round – that's where this fight gets really intriguing to me. I want to see McKinney be taken to deep water, especially, I mean, for crying out loud, we've saw him for seven seconds. I want to see more of him too. And for, uh, you know, for us, this is a guy that is, you know, he's uh, two and one in the UFC, but he doesn't have that kind of backing behind him that Terrence is bringing into this one. But he can really put a lot of people on notice here. Look for this fight, if it gets out of the first round, to be very, very competitive. I have a feel. I I was shocked that the odds were yeah you being a slight favorite. I mean, it's very close, but or excuse me, McKinney being a slight underdog. I, yeah, it's very close. But for for us, I again, maybe I need to go back and watch this guy's fights. He's good, but it does seem a bit like if he goes out of the first round, he's much more the favorite here. While for McKinney. I just think he's going to be so – if he's so good early, if he's as good as he's explosive, as powerful as he's yeah. shown to be, as aggressive, that could work against him because, again, yeah. Frost is a well-rounded guy and could really make work of the level changes here. If, uh, you know, McKinney gets off balance or comes in a little too fast, it's a very intriguing fight. I mean, these are two very bright potential prospects in this division. I know a lot of people, again, are more aware of Terrence McKinney. And, you know, he's got the great story behind him and stuff. So, you know, the UFC would love to push that if they could. But Mm -hmm. he's got to get through a tough test here to really, I guess, make dividends on that. Yeah. By the way, just quickly before we switch back to Bellator, you look at that, you know, that look at the lightweight fights that are happening here. Not only is your main event huge, but you have three big prospect, uh, Mm -hmm. prospect fights at 155. I mean, I love it, man. I love it. That's a great point. Yeah, let's move back to Bellator 275. Again, this is happening in Ireland. And because of that, we got to touch on what's now the new co-main event between mm-hmm. Sinead Cavanaugh and Leah McCourt, 4v5 in that women's featherweight division. I almost said flyweight. I've made that <laughs> mistake before. But um, Dominic, you know, this is a fight that I think for most people in America, they don't really, you know, probably care that much about. They're like, okay. Liam McCourt's done some stuff for Bellator behind the scenes while, you know, Sinead Cavanaugh just coming off that really one-sided, one-punch knockout loss to Chris Cyborg for her title. But for fans in Ireland, this is one of the biggest fights in women's MMA history for them. They've made that very clear. Uh, P.T. Carroll, I think, wrote an entire article about it. It's great stuff. Go check that out. Even if this is a fight that will be kind of a missed on us we don't have that that history behind it that you know following these women on their way up what is the matchup here i mean we know kavanaugh is a bit of a she's a power puncher but what is leah mccourt gonna have to do to make this her fight i think this is leah mccourt's chance to really make the splash that kind of bellator's been waiting on because she is i mean she's five and oh in bellator she's been good she's done commentary for them they like what they see out of her, and she's still only 29. For Kavanaugh, she's been there already. She reached that title fight. She got dominated in that fight. She's four and five overall, you know, Mm -hmm. in Bellator. This is Leah McCourt's fight to, I don't want to say fight to lose, but a fight that if she wins, she can kind of solidify her stamp. I know we don't know if Kayla Harrison's coming over, but we know Chris Cyborg ain't getting a title fight because she's fight number seven. This is Leah McCourt's chance to really say, hey, I'm here. If she makes it 6-0 in the UFC with a top five win, I think it's going to be hard to deny her. And I think that if she wins in you know Ireland, obviously both these women are from there. So regardless, it's going to be a big ovation. But if Leah wins with the momentum she's riding, Bellator will kind of look to capitalize on that market even more so, potentially mm-hmm. get a title fight over there for her in Ireland. It's going to be a big deal. Dominic meant 6-0 in Bellator, by the way. Sorry, six UFC. I just or yeah, sorry, sorry. I know, I know you, you you fixed it later on, but you know, it's like the it's like the Giga Chikadze thing. Did I say it wrong again? I think Is you it... just did. Yeah, Giga <laughs> Giga Chikadze. Yes, there it you happens go. Happens every time. 
Um, but yes, this this is a fight that I'm going to be interested to see what the fan interest is in. Like, I want to see this fight more than any of these with the fans behind it. You know? Yeah. Unfortunately, Peter Queeley's off this card, so I don't get to hear one of my favorite songs of all time, a Zombie. I mean, that's and that's his that's his thing. He comes. That was unreal. Song. That entrance. The yeah. whole crowd gets into it. While I don't expect necessarily that with this coming event. I do expect it to be rowdy, and I, I think it's going to add a, a level of intrigue and interest, especially even for American fans who otherwise don't really know who these two women are or even know the kind of history they have with that country. Yeah, I agree. One more here. One FC and one. full circle. <laughs> it does come back full circle. Look at yes, that. look at that. Uh, the aforementioned Ang Lasang, he's back coming off of, I mean, really, it's, Pretty devastating yeah. <laughs> last year for him. He lost both his titles in back-to-back fights with Rene de Ritter. So really, in here, I mean, it's another big fight. I mean, he's going from two title fights that he and he lost both of them, and you know that's de- that that feels a bit deflating. And now he's got to go into a really big trilogy bout with Vitaly Big Dash, who they're each one and one against each other. Here they oh, are, yeah. kind of on the tail end of their careers. I mean, they're not getting any younger. Lasong's 36, Big Dash is 37. Hopefully I'm saying that right. Maybe I'll say Vitaly because I don't feel Vitaly. comfortable saying Big Dash. Big Dash. <laughs> so they're not getting any younger. But it's a big trilogy for this promotion. And, you know, maybe not the way they would want to normally cap that off considering, you know, neither guys are holding belts at this point. But it feels like a necessary big fight to give Lasong, who kind of needs just something probably to – kind of awaken him again, you know, coming off of such a deflating last year. Um, would you agree with that? I agree, and I think enjoy this fight while it lasts because we're talking two guys <laughs> that have a combined 35 finishes out of 38 total wins. It's going to be fun. Noah already said they fought each other twice already. It's one and one. Somebody's got to win the trilogy. And it is kind of good matchmaking at the same time too. You know, you have that 36 versus 37, the tail end of their careers. I'm not saying it's a swung song for either guy, but it should just be a really feel-good type of fight, man. And that's pretty evenly matched, too. You can't go wrong. Yeah, it's weird because part of me, like, kind of feels that way. Like, oh, this is kind of the end of an era. You know, again, I know we're just now starting to really dip into 1FC, but, like, I've known, we've known a lot about Angla Song. We've been hearing about him for a long time, and it, it does feel a bit like an end of an era for 1FC. Yeah. But the winner of this fight might be... <laughs> next for a title shot i mean really these guys aren't done but it just feels like maybe the best of them is behind them Mm -hmm. doesn't mean Mm -hmm. they still can't be a champion but realistically i would say the loser of this fight probably does kind of have to look himself in the mirror and be like am i really that guy anymore right am i the burmese python still i just (laughs) love that nickname for that's badass nickname that's gonna wrap it up dominic for this edition of the weekend preview let us know what you think about the Thursday showing. Um, let us know what you think of all these fights we talked about. Um, any predictions you have, any bets that you'll be placing, you can let us know by leaving a voice message up to 60 seconds. We'll tell you how to do that momentarily. We'll be back. Obviously, you can check us out on Friday with the betting preview for UFC Vegas 49, Makachev mm-hmm. versus Green. We are both terrified of this card. Yes. <laughs> and you will see that me and Dominic acted in opposite ways for how we <laughs> deal with being yes. worried about a card. Yeah. Uh, but then uh, we'll also be back on Monday with the weekend recap. Again, everything we discussed here, UFC Vegas 49, Bellator 275, one full circle, and even PFL Challenger Series Week 2, the welterweights. So Very true. We'll have all of that. It's a busy weekend for MMA, but, man, I wouldn't have it any other way. Oh, you couldn't have said it better. So until then, Dominic, tell the good people where they can find you on social media. Find me on Twitter, on Instagram, at Diesely14. More importantly, go follow, go engage, go interact with the show with us on Twitter, on Instagram, at BAJ underscore MMA podcast. And as for me, you can find me on Twitter or Instagram at NTBaker underscore. If you go to the link in my bio, yeah, it'll take you to a link tree, which mm-hmm. will present you with a list of links to all the platforms the podcast on along with social media platforms. So that includes 
but is not limited to. The Twitter, the Instagram, the YouTube channel, and Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts, it's all on there, baby. And there's a couple links for today's sponsor, Anchor. Yes. First, leaving a voice message. You got up to 60 seconds to do it. Again, anything you want to talk about, any questions you may have, you can do so there. There's also a second link on there if you want to become a supporter of the podcast. Again, any and all financial support is appreciated. I also just want to plug again, be on the lookout. Perhaps we'll be doing Spotify Green Room here soon. Um, just really interested in that if you don't know what that is. Basically, it's like Twitter spaces, but for Spotify. And yeah. I think it's me and Dominic both think it's really cool. And there's it's still so new that like, you know, it feels like something to kind of jump on board on right now. So yeah. more information to come. But that's it. We're out. And we'll see you all on Monday.